0: Good morning, DJ and 97 97.5 and 12.80 the zone. A couple more wins for the local teams last night. Utah State blowing out Denver by more than 40 points. So the 17th ranked Aggies are 3 0. And the Utah Jazz are 6 0 at home. They still have not lost a game. They pick up the win over the Brooklyn Nets. Really good fourth quarter. Jazz were down by 15 at the half, down by 8 going to the fourth quarter. And then they take the lead with like an 11 2 run to open the quarter. If I had to pick one thing out that you should like about the game, I would say that it looked like some of the bench players getting a little untracked. They made significant contributions. Instead of asking the starters to come in down by 8, 10, 12 points and make all that up and win the game, the bench goes on a run with Moutier on the floor, Green on the floor. Those were the two guys who made most of the shots there in the first two and a half minutes of the fourth quarter. And they made the run and boom, all of a sudden it's, Hey, we're we're hitting the reset button here. It's a one-point game. Anything can happen in these final 9 minutes or so, and that made the starters' job a lot easier as they got subbed back into the game. And they get it done, 119-114. Uh well, have the best of the post-game show coming up. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back, Wayne Cook, sideline reporter for UCLA, is talking college football, Utah and UCLA. Should the youths be favored by 20? Why did UCLA Start so slow with the three straight losses and non-conference. Why have they won three in a row in four of the last five? Is that good enough? Should they have done better? We'll talk with Wayne next. Stay with us.
1: Take the zone with you wherever you go. And let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network.
0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5, and 1280, The Zone. We are joined now by Wayne Cook, UCLA sideline reporter. Wayne joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Wayne, good morning. Good morning, you guys. I I, got to tell you, that music leading in,
2: and I don't know if you do this on purpose, but it's it's Remember the Titans, the the scene when they start winning a bunch of games, just a I love that song.
0: (laughs) So that brings us to the first obvious question that must be asked of anyone who knows anything about UCLA. How has this happened? Because they were laughably bad in September, but October they were better, and now in November they know if they just keep winning, they're in the Pac-12 title game, and that seemed impossible in September.
2: One of the problems with – Our current slate of of college football, we have 130 teams, and they all play dramatically different schedules. UCLA, up until I think San Diego State lost this weekend, all three of their non-conference opponents were still in the top 25, like currently in the top 25. Oklahoma, Cincinnati both have one loss, and then now I believe San Diego State has two. So while people are playing schedules, and I, I don't want to throw shade on Utah, and I'm not saying this is—I don't know which is the smart way to go. There are there are schools out there that played a lot less. Uh, well, I'll give you i give you a better example. So it's not personal. Arizona State. Arizona State was getting kind of getting a lot of credit. They were in the, when we played them, they were ranked 24th. They weren't the number 24th ranked team of the nation. They weren't that good. They they had played not that great of opponents and some of their wins were squeakers. And then they, they just kind of, they, they were, they were overhyped a little bit. And then you see teams like Minnesota, you could say they were, their schedule has been weak and then they beat Penn State. And it was like, wow, maybe they're really that good. So there's more to it than just schedule. But, but you they lost two of those three games by I think nine and 10 points in the first three. So they were finding their way against really good opponents as opposed to finding their way against teams that they were that would they would would have probably beat if that makes any sense.
3: Okay, and then they got smashed by Oregon State in the Utes beat Oregon State 52 to 7.
2: Well, again, I made it personal, so I appreciate that comeback. That that <laughs> You only made it personal cuz I'm
3: an ASU grad, not because I uh, have anything oh, to do well, with I Utah. I love it. See, you never know. I love it. Uh,
2: <laughs> so what's funny about that is the Oregon State game was 21 nothing. Before, uh, before UCLA blinked. It was like six minutes in. It was 21 to nothing. And I, I got to admit, it was bad. It was terrible. Arizona, The Arizona game was worse because that's a game we, we should have won. It was weird. Dorian Thompson-Robinson missed the Oregon State game, so he was out. Uh, we had our backup quarterback in. He played pretty well. Defense wasn't there yet. Um, so those two games I can't explain. The, the schedule is tough. The Oregon State game and the Arizona game. Both close games. UCLA was in it, but they hadn't quite figured it out yet. And now we've got a quarterback that's playing really well. We've got – and again, I'll I'll, I'll compliment here. I I think the two best running backs in the entire uh, conference are playing in this game and Moss and Joshua Kelly, uh, two big, strong backs. Um, So they're they're starting to figure out uh, how – you know, Dorian thompson robinson is getting a lot better. You have to worry about his legs because he's not only throwing it well, but he's running it well. And with Joshua Kelly being healthy, which remember he was not healthy at the beginning of the year and really didn't hit his stride until like the last four or five games, um, starting to play a lot better has kind of changed the team. And then for whatever reason, and part of it, part of it, and I'm going to go back on what I said earlier, the schedule that UCLA has won three in a row against hasn't been the greatest either. So, so they're, they're, they were front-loaded. The schedule was hard at the beginning and the last – I say five games. To be honest with you, UCLA they should have run five in a row because I think they should have beat Oregon State and, um, and, and Arizona. But uh, they're, they're getting better at the right time. This is a huge game. If you force me to bet on it, I, I, would, I would bet Utah. But I think, I think UCLA has improved a ton, and and gonna you know, and I'm hoping they show up.
0: So you went a little different direction than I, I thought. We have Lincoln Kennedy on the show And he's been saying that UCLA has young talent, and I thought you were going to go more to the credit belongs to the coaching staff. Because the thing with the current system is we do start judging them from game one, and we don't really allow or recognize that guys get coached up. And UCLA's playing a lot of young players, and they are, and and you make good points about the schedule. It was front-loaded. But they're just actually better. They've been been coached up. They've learned from their failures, and they've improved.
2: Coach Kelly said all along, that he would never change. the, and I, and I think part of that's because of the youth. When you have a young team and, and you know, everybody asked him, you know, are you afraid you're going to lose the team? Are you afraid that you're going to lose a team? And, and Chip Kelly has been so steadfast in this concept that, like, we're going to do things right. We're going to bring in the right type of players. We're, we're not going to recruit kids that are going to quit on us. <laughs> we're going to recruit the right type of people. And there was a lot of turnover. And this is a, a very young team. But they played a lot of football now. You know, a lot of these guys played last year as freshmen, and, and now we have a lot of freshmen and sophomores playing. And and they are getting better. I totally agree with that. And, and even the, the, the local media out here, I mean, they just – they try to ask Chip Kelly a million different questions in a million different ways. And basically they're like the same five questions over and over and over again. And he just keeps saying, guys, all we want to do is get better today. All we care about is Utah. They talk to him about how big this game is, and we all know that it's a huge game in the, in the Pac-12 South because when we look at the records, I mean, it's, it's, you're, you're playing for first. I mean, it's huge for both teams. It's huge for the conference because the conference wants Utah to win. So it's one of those deals that, that Coach Kelly and that staff has just said, listen, we're going to do this the right way. And those loves they took early in the year against really good opponents – I truly believe he thought that that was going to make them better. So I, I totally agree with you guys the, the players are getting better. The coaches are doing a great job and no matter how much is being thrown at them, as far as it got, it got rough. I mean, people were already, I mean, shoot, some people wanted it to be like Willie Taggart. Like, listen, he, he's had enough time, like a year and a half is enough time nowadays to, to turn a team around. And I, I'm sure glad that, that uh, nobody was listening that has intelligence in the athletic department Because this staff is good. I agree with you guys. And um, as a matter of fact, you'll see two great coaching staffs in this game because I I think Utah's as good as it comes. So, yeah, that's that's a great point.
3: So we broadcast down there uh, for Pac-12 Media Day and all the coaches come through and and the players. And Joshua Kelly came through. And and afterward, I wanted to hug him because I just don't know that I could have found a finer kid. And his story is remarkable about being a walk-on at UC Davis and all this stuff here. And so I'm really happy to see his success because he seems, at least during the time that we interviewed him, to be such a great kid. You would know it more than I am. I would. So I'm happy for his success. And and certainly he's come on and he's made a significant difference in their ability to have success. There's no question about that. My thought for you is Utah's very stout against the run defensively, how is it going to work for Kelly and DTR for that matter because obviously he's got the ability to run
2: Wow, uh, to say that Utah's stout on defense might even be an understatement I mean, they've been great so this is going to be the test I mean, I, it, it's been weird because starting with Stanford UCLA's won the trenches really, I'm going to go because they've had five straight games with 200 plus rushing yards and so they've been winning the offensive line has been getting better. They haven't faced Utah yet. Okay? One of the best defensive lines in the, and defensive fronts in the country. Um, so this is going to be a huge test. Uh, I agree with you 100%. I mean, I try to interview – every time I try to compliment Joshua Kelly, he compliments me more in return. That's just kind of kid he is. So I totally agree with you. Um, he's, he's amazing. He's more happy talking about everybody on the team than himself. Uh, we need more kids like that in, in college football. Uh, but he's a leader of this team. So if he gets 78 yards, and those 78 yards are the type of yards that can wear a defense out, and, and some of those 78 yards are, are, are first downs uh, or a goal line run, uh, I don't think he would care. Um, I think what's really changed things is that Dorian Thompson Robinson has become so much smarter with when he keeps the ball. Like, earlier in the year, we'd be like, dude, is he just predetermining whether he's keeping it or giving it? And we couldn't quite figure it out. I think he was kind of playing the game. I've often said that Dorian early in the year was just – he was just running the plays that were called. I think he's playing quarterback now. Like, he's very aware of when it's third and four. And if he thinks he can keep it and get four yards or scramble on a pass play and get four yards, he's doing that on a regular basis now. So he's kind of getting that, like, I'm just playing the game because I want to win. Not just, I hope I don't screw up, which a lot of young quarterbacks do play that way. So when you throw into the mix, Joshua Kelly, who, who along with Zach Moss, again, I think are the two best running backs in the the conference. And it's weird because Tyler Huntley and the way he's playing, he's playing unbelievably well. And I was one that was critical of him because I didn't know if he was a a good enough passer to win a championship. He's been so good this year of leading the team, even hobbled on the road last week. That was incredible or two weeks ago. Um, I just think that, that they kind of mirror each other. The, as far as quarterback, running back, obviously Tyler Huntry is way more experienced, so we'll see what Dorian can do. But it's in the trenches where this game's going to be won. And so UCLA is going to have to find a way to block a, a great front because if they're forced to throw the whole time and they can't run the ball, it's going to be a struggle. So, and I think the same on the other side of the ball. You know, UCLA's defensive front has been so much better, but this is a different animal so they're going to have to play a team that's, you know, clicking on all cylinders.
0: Wayne Cook, UCLA sideline reporter, joining us in advance of the Utah-UCLA game. So Utah's only loss is to SC, and SC threw the ball, in some cases up for grabs, and let the receivers go win a 50-50 ball and make big plays, and that's how they won the game. And then Washington led and push the youth before eventually losing, and they basically abandoned the run. I mean, they threw it 52 times and only ran it 22. Easton threw right. for 316 yards. Can UCLA, I mean, we watch their games, we've seen them, when they get the run game going, they're really good. But if they have to throw it down after down, what's that going to look like?
2: Better than it would have four or five weeks ago. Because I think, you know, and I've said this the whole time, I've always thought the problem with UCLA was, was early was quarterback play and offensive line play. And I've even told Dorian, to, I mean, I've talked to him all the time after games. I'm like, Dorian, dude, you've gotten so much better at just making the decisions of being a quarterback, you know, getting us into the right place. you know, throwing the ball to the right receiver instead of forcing it. Um, Kyle Phillips is a guy, and you've got to know where he is. Um, Devon a tight end, is a, is a guy. Um, there's some you know, we haven't talked about. Uh, Demetric Felton as much because with Joshua Kelly back, he hasn't been as much of an emphasis. But you have to worry about him too. The, the talent on this team has been there from day one. It was getting the the offensive line and the um, and the quarterback play up to speed, and then getting Joshua Kelly healthy. Now that they are, this offense has been one of the better offenses in the entire in the entire conference, so so they're they're getting there. I, I I don't do not think the game plan is they want to throw the ball fifty times because I don't see a weakness. I mean, shoot the the you know SC, you guys that that game S E was healthier back then. Um, I know they're not looking as good right now, but those receivers are all NFL guys. They're so good. And yes, they do throw it up sometimes. I don't think you'll see that from UCLA. Um, the, the, this is more of a system, but there is talent. And so um, if UCLA has to throw a lot. I think it's probably trouble. But if they can stay balanced, I think that'll be great.
3: So I saw a story early on in the midst of the losing that was starting out during the season that 63 guys have left the program since Chip Kelly (laughs) took over. I'm sure you saw that. Is that just a situation of weeding out undesirables and they're better off for it?
2: You know, it's funny because the weeding out part is weird because it makes it sound like it's all the coaches, like, you need to move on. I think weeding out happens naturally. I think some players were like, I don't fit, and so they leave on their own. Sure. I and mean, there was quite a few players. And, you know, people love to focus on – and this is a great conversation with Utah because I love what UCLA is doing right now. You know, people get all worked up about recruiting. Um, you know, Utah hasn't always landed the most four- and five-five-star guys, but they coach them up. They get the right kids. I, I truly think that's part of what Chip Kelly's plan is. That doesn't mean we won't get four- and five-star guys because we, we've had a few – uh commits recently that are that are have a few stars by their name but if they're not the right kids who cares we had some guys that were high ranking guys that may or may not have been team players may or not have been the type of guys that would buy into uh what coaches want to do or in some cases and people don't want to hear this they were overhyped I mean, we live in a world, you guys, where every single kid now, it seems like they transfer to elite schools and they play with nothing but other elite players against you know, teams that, let's be honest with you, they just destroy. And their stats are padded. And some of those guys are great, don't get me wrong. Some of the guys are, are, are can't-miss guys. But, but there's a there's lot of guys out there that are really good players that get overlooked. Um, and if they're put in the right situation, uh, they'll succeed. So that whole whatever happened... I think it was a lot of different things. I think more than anything, guys needed to find a, a better situation. Um, some of it was injuries. Some of some guys medically retired. And then others were just, you know, guys couldn't buy into the program. So, I mean, I don't think much of it was, hey, you can't play here, move on. I don't think that happened as much as people would like to think.
0: Last thing before we let you go, Wayne, the spread for this is 20 points. Does Vegas know something, or does that merely reflect – kind of the the uh, general betting public's thought and they're not following it as close as they should. What what do you see that might not might say that that number's wrong?
2: Well, you know what, I don't I don't really This is what UCLA players have to understand and it's probably good for them. This game whether you like it or not, UCLA's got a three-game tournament. Really that starts and it's one game at a time. It's single elimination at this time. If you don't, you know, to to me, if if you if you can if you can find a way, and and let's be honest, I mean the UCLA Utah series, you know, I mean it could go either way. There's been a lot of great games. Uh, Utah is one of the toughest. Everybody always talks about Washington and Oregon. Utah is one of the toughest environments to play in. The student section is incredible. But if you're a football player for UCLA, you love it. You love that everybody's out to get you. You love it that you've won three games, and, and I know both teams had a bye last week, so they both got a chance to get healthy. But, but you, you love that you've got all your, all your weapons. Everybody, everybody right now is ready to go for UCLA. Um, and and you, just, you love the opportunity to go on the road and to try to take on a team. If, if UCLA could pull it off, this would be the third team that they've played, and, and it would be the third win against the top 25 team. You know, with all the losses, they beat Washington State when they were ranked at Washington State, and then they beat Arizona State when they were ranked uh, 24th. So it's an opportunity. And so and I know the coaching staff just wants to get better and play hard. And so maybe the number is something you can look at, but for the most part, I don't think that's the way UCLA is wired. I think they see an opponent on the other side of the field, and they know that if they play their best game, that they're going to have a chance to win it. And that's the way they go into every week. So um you know, numbers are numbers. I'm not surprised by that, though. Utah's been a better team this year. They, they deserve to be favored by that much.
0: Wayne, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on and, uh, you know, starting it off with that shot at ASU. That was excellent. The rest of us were grinning. <laughs> we <could> <laughs> you PK's know, if
2: face. I would have known, I would have rubbed it in a little bit more. I
3: Wayne, why I did? didn't you I stick her- to coaching golf in high school?
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I played golf yesterday, so it's like it's a, it's a great sport. Don't you undermine golf.
3: <laughs> I'm not, but isn't aren't you a former high school golf
0: coach? Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily mean I was good at it.
4: Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wayne, thanks for the time. We appreciate it.
2: All right, guys, anytime.
0: There's Wayne Cook, the sideline reporter for the UCLA Bruins. If you came in late in that and you want to hear it. All of our shows are being podcast. All the interviews are there, all the segments with PK and I. Go to 1280thezone.com. You can also get them at Stitcher, Spotify, wherever. And you can listen to all of Wayne Cook if you came in late. We're going to take a break. And coming up next, the best of the post game show. here from Quinn Snyder and the Jazz players after they rally to beat Brooklyn in the fourth quarter. Stay with us Good morning, DJ and PK. It's ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The Zone. The Utah Jazz come from behind in the fourth quarter and beat the Brooklyn Nets for the best of the post-game show. Here's Jake Scott. It's
5: your Jazz recap here on ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The Zone. DJ and PK. Jake Scott with you. The Jazz won their fourth consecutive game. They beat the Nets at home, one nineteen to one fourteen, last night on the second night of a back-to-back. Really gritty performance by the Utah Jazz. They were trailing the Nets by 15 at half, came out, scored the first seven points of the third quarter, and then began to chip away at that lead before taking the lead in the fourth quarter and coming away with a win on some critical, critical plays from uh, Rudy Gobert, from Donovan Mitchell, from Mike Conley. In fact, when Rudy uh, Gobert came back into the game in the fourth quarter with about nine and a half minutes to go, the Nets only had one field goal from then on out. Rudy was absolutely spectacular. All right, let's get you some post-game sound. Let's start with Quinn Snyder at the podium.
0: Combined for baskets on six straight possessions, how critical was their energy and effort to just kind of boost in the
6: rest of the team in that fourth quarter?
7: Well, it was, I think, the way our whole team came out at halftime, um, really the beginning of the third. Um, I think we started on a 7-0 run to start the third and actually missed a couple free throws and, and I thought I had another opportunity, but um that aside, the beginning of the fourth, what those guys did was tremendous, and you know that's, you know, it's that's what, not just what you what you want, um, but what you appreciate about guys that are coming off the bench, that they can come in and not only make plays, um, you know, for each other. I know Jeff made made some shots, Emmanuel made some shots, but they guarded. And they really played for one another. Um, I thought they, you know, they didn't force themselves on the game. Um, you know, there were opportunities that pre- presented themselves, and I thought collectively that group played played well together. And, and obviously, Jeff and Emmanuel um, being able to make those plays, um, you know, was was probably the biggest reason we win the game. We don't win the game that way. And I thought defensively down the stretch. Um, Joe did an unbelievable job guarding Kyrie, you know. And um, I told Joe before the game, you know, I, the only way he can play poorly is if he doesn't. I don't know how many threes he got up tonight. Um, he got four up, so he's got to keep getting threes up, and they'll go in. Um, but doesn't matter when you when you defend like that when the game's on the line. Um, so it was just it was that that effort was a, a gritty effort when those guys came back in the game, and uh, and obviously. Jeff and, and Emmanuel put us in a position where we had a chance to win.
5: I feel like this is kind of cliche when in situations like this, but did you sense anything at halftime or, or say anything that, that you felt like could turn the tide in no, the I, third? I, I think there,
7: you know, in an 82 game season, there's going to be halftimes like that, and um, yeah, I think the biggest thing is you know, to try to figure out, be honest with yourselves as a group, um, why you're playing the way you're playing, and we weren't defending the way that we could, um, and then that also, we were sluggish offensively, and we just had to be sharper mentally, and these guys have a lot of character, um, I think it's a competitive group, and they competed together, and I thought, you know, started, you know, I don't know what is a 13-point g- g- lead at halftime, I we were yeah. down through 15, yeah. so, you know, that that's, there was no, you know, I, I don't think, there was no way we were going to shut down, but um, the resolve that they showed and then to carry it forward um you know it was a really good win just
8: more detail on Joe Ingalls guarding Kyrie at the end of the game mm-hmm. is was that I guess first of all why did you choose to have him defend at the end rather than Royce and then what did you like about that Joe I mean, in the it, last it, few minutes
7: yeah I mean Royce started on him um it isn't you know we told the guys there's going to be multiple guys that are going to guard him and going to guard Dinwiddie um and they do you know they run some actions where different guys get switched on to him um he's hard to guard especially for 48 minutes so um it's a luxury we have that you know you have a couple guys that, that take a challenge defensively and joe's done that you know for a number of years so um you know whoever it is in those situations late um needs to take the challenge and, and both those guys did tonight you know and i thought just you know you're fortunate too i mean he he makes, some, he makes some really, really difficult shots, and, you know, you've got to be... It's not like we came out and shut him down. You know, he, he's too good an offensive player, and, you know, you need to be a little lucky too when we were.
3: Coach, what can you say about Rudy back-to-back, big nights, uh, obviously gobbling the boards? He had a, also had a great catch uh, on a, you know, a tough pass from Mike down there. That might not have been something you would have seen a few years ago from him.
7: Well, I, I think even, you know... At the beginning of the year, I think that Rudy's, Rudy's playing well right now. I think, um, you know, I don't think he started the game. He started the game like like our whole group. You know, we were a little sluggish. Um, but Rudy's really competitive, and he makes plays. You know, he makes winning plays. Um, you know, he didn't get a chance to dribble between his legs tonight. Uh, he just made a heck of a catch. Um, on that pass for Mike, it was, I mean, he looked like, I don't think he'd know who Julio Jones is, but that's what he looked like. Last question
9: here, James. What you, uh, four in a row now, and then each game has had its challenges and you've been able to kind of meet mm-hmm. them as, as they come up. What does it say about the character that's being built on this team that you've assimilated right now?
7: Well, I, you know, you guys know I, I, I hate to measure it by wins, um, but there is – there's, you know, that's what they keep track of, and so the competitiveness that this group has shown, you know, whether it be in a close game, being ahead, you know, and continuing to play, being behind, um, you've got to be able to handle all those situations mentally, and I think um, collectively, um, this group likes each other and likes to compete. I mean, they like to play, and, you know, usually when that's the case, you figure out ways to to make plays and whether it's making a play on the, on the glass, you know, Boyone gets a tip out, um, you know, all kinds of things that happen if you're engaged in the game and you really want to win.
5: There was Jazz head coach uh, Quinn Snyder after his team beat the Nets one nineteen to one fourteen, comparing uh, Rudy to Julio Jones. There, uh, we got a laugh out of that. Ben Anderson and I did on the on the post game. <laughs> Quinn saying he probably does not know who Julio Jones is, but he made a catch like him. So uh, there you go. There's Quinn Snyder. Let's now uh, let you hear from uh, Emmanuel Moutier, who was terrific last night off the bench.
4: Get you on know, transition. So that was the, the main thing.
5: What was your
10: mindset in that fourth quarter when you and Jeff started sw- swung, swung the tides there?
4: uh we like i said we we're just getting stops and when we get stops the defense can't set up and i think that's when that second unit set is best when we just you know running with force and trying to make place for each other
5: is your mindset
0: when you come into the game just being aggressive kind of going and getting buckets i
5: mean
4: is that um def- what it looks like <laughs> no nah, i uh, also just be defensively first and foremost uh, that's what coach has been on me about so and i mean offensively yeah i'm going to be aggressive i'm going to play my game but first and foremost is definitely defense
8: i feel like when you're out there playing your game and then also conceptually with what this team's trying to do, that those two things are congruent and that's why this has been a good match.
4: Yeah, uh, easy as that, yeah. Yeah. That's really it, yeah.
11: Yeah.
9: So when uh, when you're doing this and you're down 15 points to a pretty good team and you can't do anything with Kyrie, how do you make the adjustments necessary to come back as quickly as you did, particularly in the third quarter, and then kind of take over it uh, um, in the fourth?
4: I mean, Royce and, and Jeff did a great job on Kyrie. We know Kyrie's gonna get you know his shots up and stuff like that, but I think those guys, especially down the stretch, they try to make it tough as much as possible. Uh, I think they, get, they should get a lot of credit, especially for this game as well. But when we started getting stops, like like I said, I think that's that's our best offense. Uh, Mm-hmm. get stops, and just get out in transition. We're, we're tough to guard like that. How deep is this team compared to some other teams you've, you've seen, I mean, you've been on? Uh, i I'd say it's definitely one of the deepest, if not the deepest. Uh, I think the, the main thing mm-hmm. is just how smart everybody is. Uh, just hearing Joe talk in the huddles, and everybody always got something, you know, that they see that they can say, and nobody takes that offensively, and, mm-hmm. you know, we just pick up on each other, each other's uh, energy, and we just try to move on from, from what, what we talk
9: about. Quinn mentioned that in the locker room early in the pregame about that you guys, it's a high uh, basketball IQ team. How does that help when you, when you get down, for instance, and you don't have to worry about necessarily that you're going to fall apart, you can kind of bring it back somehow?
4: Yeah, I mean, he, he wants us to hold each other accountable. Uh, and a part of that is IQ, it all goes together. Uh, when you see something that um, isn't working or something that should, we should be doing, uh, we all get on each other about it and think, um, everybody's getting more and more comfortable. I mean, we had a lot of new players this year, including myself, so everybody's just getting more and more comfortable. And I think, you know, the sky's the limit for this team, but we just got to keep working.
6: What is you guys got in at about 4 o'clock in the morning. What does it say about toughness to be able to turn around and then and just gut it out? You showed so much guts down the stretch.
4: Yeah, I mean, that speaks to, to the whole team, uh, where our mindset is at. And it's definitely tough, especially on a back to back, like you said, time difference, stuff like that. But if we want to be a great team, we can't use that as an excuse. Uh, we just got to go out there and try to win every game that we play
8: Jeff said that composure was the thing he was most proud of after this one could you sense uh, kind of that same feel in the locker room and, and how do you kind of describe what that feeling is
4: like I know for sure nobody got too routed up uh, we always we knew it was good for a run at some point uh, especially in the first half we was playing a lot a lot slower than we wanted to play but we knew in the second half we was going to try to make that push Thank
8: you, guys that's Emmanuel Moutier let's go back to you
5: There's Emmanuel Moutier, 15 points coming in off the bench in 18 minutes, three boards, two assists, and he and Jeff Green were, uh, in particular were very good at the end of the third quarter and beginning of the fourth quarter, uh, really putting the Jazz in position to go out there and get a win. All right, let's go back down to the locker room. Here's Donovan Mitchell. Donovan, clutch moments. This team really seems to
8: rise up. I mean, the last few games especially, but this one tonight, you need to clutch moments offensively and defensively. How do you describe the sort of mentality, the focus, and the execution? Of this team uh,
6: when the lights are brightest? I think for us, just continue to stay focused and lock in. Um, the biggest thing is just not really, you know, looking at it as the moment. You know, I mean, that's 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 really what it is. Just continue to play with the way we've been playing, moving the ball. You saw we <laughs> ran some actions. Where I got the ball to Mike, got the ball to Rudy. You know, just being able to keep it simple, I think has been easiest for us everybody's looking for indicators of
8: different things with this team play where you get the ball deep you get it to mike in the corner he makes a move pass into traffic to rudy who wins that ball and then and scores it those one of those
6: indicators where it shows the trust of this team. for sure i think just being able to 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 be selfless and make the extra pass. I think it's one thing that's really shown, you know, especially late, you know, trusting Mike to get it and trusting Rudy to finish and that's just who we are as a team. Uh, Jeff
8: talked a lot about at halftime, there was a sense of composure and and this feel that you guys were going to play with Mm -hmm. the (laughs) composure is what he said, yeah. uh, Did you sense that this team was going to play with the force they needed? I think
6: we understood, you know, they came out and, you know, they they hit us first, but we came in and understood what we needed to do and we picked it up on the defensive end and made it tougher on them and we were able to get stops and then run back-to-back, uh, you knew you were going to need your bench to come through big yeah. tonight. Uh, how, how deep is this team compared to the, the previous ones? Um, I think you know we have we have a lot of guys that can come in. You know whether it's on offense or defense. You know Jeff hitting you know, I think it was three three threes or, or whatever it is. You know Manuel coming in pushing the pace, being able to guard. You know I think that's that's what they what they give us. You know that spark. You know it's always there. You know and they're always there. They're always ready. And you know, I think that's just going to be huge, especially uh, come late in the season. But you know it's great for nights like tonight when guys like Jeff and Manuel come up coming huge for us. You know because it's safe to say, you know, without their without their push, we know, we don't we don't win this game. So I think it's it's a big credit to those two in particular. And a fifteen point hole at halftime, what does it say about toughness to come out and just grind it away point? Just, point yeah, it's point, it's it's just a, a mentality. I think that's the biggest thing. Being able to stay locked in and stay understand it's a forty eight minute game, we gotta be able to stay locked in and focused.
9: How do you, four games in a row, you've been able to meet challenges, like you said, every every game there seems to be something you're able to overcome, what, uh, is this a character kind of thing that you guys have? Or, I think
6: it's just uh, mentality, it's just being able to guard, picking up more on the defensive end and being able to go out there and, and not only guard, but execute, you know, being able to run off stops, you know, we didn't really do that in the first half, but, you know, you look at this game, you look at um, Golden State, even um, when we kind of let uh, Milwaukee back in the game, being able to execute late game, I think it's been huge.
8: How much does Quinn talk to you
6: about pace and pushing the... Me specifically or the team. Um, I think for, um, the biggest thing is being able to get out and run, you know, making making teams run. You know, you see what happens when we get out there on the floor, you know. We get layups, you know. There's one position I got two layups in a row because Rudy ran the floor and then the other time he gets a layup. You know, just continuing to, to find ways to attack before the defensive set has been huge.
8: You guys obviously still have a lot of different things you always want to be
6: getting better at every
8: day, but when you envision kind of what winning should look like, is it the sense that it can come from
6: anybody at any moment, the three threes or Somebody gets hot, you like know, it's that's 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 just who we have. That's our personnel. It can come from any any position, anybody, any moment. So we just got to be able to stay locked in defensively and understand that even if we don't hit shots, you know, things are going to come our way. We just got to be able to find ways to, to execute defensively and keep and hold them,
5: the guys.
6: That's Donovan Mitchell. Let's go back to you.
5: That was Donovan Mitchell. He was absolutely terrific last night. Thirty points on thirteen of twenty-six shooting. He had six boards to go along with uh, two assists and a steal. Let's now let's hear from Rudy Gobert
11: we didn 't want to think about that. we really wanted to come out and get this win and uh, you know I think we were step a step slow in the first half and they also hit a lot of tough shots in the first half, get them going, so we really wanted to come back second half and you know make make it a little tougher on them and and just, just try to run a little more on offense and We got back in the game, you know so at the end, it was just uh, you know the team that was going to get the stops and you anyway, know and be able to 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 get a clutch buckets at the end
8: so you guys don't want to use it as an excuse but how difficult is a back-to-back
11: i mean it's tough when the other team is like last night they, they could go to sleep at, at 10 or 11 and uh, 11 we were still in the locker room you know <laughs> getting ready to get on the plane and i got i got home at three you know so it's like i mean you I'm I'm making it sound at 225 you know what I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> no I got home at 245 you got home at 6am I got home at 245 right? I heard it
3: was 4am before so that's
1: your yeah <laughs> no
11: but but you know it's I mean it's part of the it's part of the NBA season and that's why it's so big for us to get to to be able to win those games, especially uh, against a good team.
8: Yeah, especially when you're going into the second night of a back-to-back, you can't think of fatigue and all that. How hard,
11: or how much does it take to reach down for something deeper and different? We want to be a great team, and uh, great teams are able to to find the resources to, to win those games because we know that at the end of the season it's going to be the difference between being first or second in the West or being like fourth or fifth, you know, so... We we know those game matters, and uh, we know it's, I don't know how many, how many teams that would we'll be able to you know to do what we did tonight against a good team.
0: Were you were you specifically thinking you obviously had that got that tough pass from Conley and had the layup, then you got the, the board it was there really with a tough pass.
11: It was a great pass. Was it? Was yeah. Too tough to hand? Actually, that was maybe one of the easiest pass I got. Really? I mean, it was right there. Just, hey, they still over there the I just did this. <laughs>
8: Mike yeah. said that you have conversations with them a lot and stuff like that. When you have those conversations, but you're just trying to tell them, "Hey, man, trust me here. Just put I mean, it the, there and all." The, I'll the win.
11: conversation is great, but I think the the fear and the trust, you know, comes with playing, you know, playing with one another and uh, plays like that. I think you give, give, give you more and more confidence to to do it again and until it becomes natural, you know. And uh, and I think it, that's what's happening right now it's is becoming more and more natural, you know, and instinctive and. You know, in the in the tough moments, in the tough games, like it was tonight, he was able to make that pass, and I was able to, to finish it.
3: Before the game, Kenny Atkinson called you an all-time defensive center. Uh, I know you're not thinking about that on a day-to-day basis. You've got games to worry about. But, you know, is what kind of an... Uh, uh, do you appreciate that sort of thing coming, especially from someone who's an opponent? Oh,
11: I mean, I appreciate it. You know, it's... Uh... Hopefully, at the end of my career, I'm, I go down as the best, uh, one of the best defensive players of all time and uh, one of the best players player of all time. And, you know, the goal is, is, is to win, uh, you know, to keep, keep getting better, keep winning, and hopefully win uh, one or many championships. That's Rudy Gobert, 8 of 10
5: from the field last night he had 18 points 15 boards a couple of block shots and as we mentioned earlier was absolutely locked down defensively in the fourth quarter all right let's uh, wrap things up with mike conley
10: uh mean, it says a lot you know it says a lot about our depth um a lot about you know the guys we have in this locker room all paying attention to the details and the, the moments in the games um i thought our second unit you know emmanuel jeff uh Joe, all those guys, Tony, they came in and just really set the tempo for the starters to come back in the second half and um, try to pick it back up in that third, and and, and it kind of of snowballed from there. Everybody just kind of played off each other and off their energy.
8: Jeff Green talked about composure here in the locker room and all that. That has to come from trust, right? And where has that trust been built as this team's kind of evolved throughout the season?
10: Well, I think... Through the highs and lows of the early part of the season, we've stuck together and done, been consistent on what we do even off the court. You know, we still go out to eat together. We're still, you know, in the group chats. We're still doing all these things together as a team, which allows us to stay connected um, and not get too far away from what we're trying to accomplish. And um, I think tonight was a, just a great example of all that, all the things we've been, you know, been through as, as a as an early part of this season. And um, just happy the way we were able to to, to complete the win on this one.
8: Emmanuel Moutier talks about how smart so many people are the conversations during timeouts and any situation on the side how do you describe the the kind of high IQ uh, high basketball IQ and IQ of this basketball team?
10: Um, It's very high it's a very high uh, IQ team Um, almost too high sometimes we got so many you know voices and uh, so many different options because of it but Um, I think it's great you know guys can sometimes you know listen you know like myself just be able to sit in the huddle and listen you know listen to somebody else's uh, opinion and be like yeah that that, you're right and and move forward and um, and just having that kind of chemistry and that kind of trust in one another is is going to help you get us a long way in the first half the uh, defense was the defensive effort was not there the offense was a little bit sluggish is there something you can pinpoint behind the, the slow start um, you know, I think we just took us a while to wake up, you know, the quick back-to-back and all that stuff was, well, I know the it was in, faster, it in our mind. <laughs> <This guy laughs> some of us are 30 years old or above, you know what I'm saying, takes, you know, <laughs> and got and got two kids, so some of us can't just go home and go to sleep, all right? but uh but anyway, no, nah, it was. Uh, we did a good job handling it, and it was, uh, you know, just a good overall win despite all, you know, everything
9: else. What's the character of this team? I mean, it's early, so I'm not trying to trip too hard. But being able to come back a lot of times, you guys have even when the game when you lost, you're, I mean, a, a putback is what uh, cost you the game. How is this character being built? Well, I,
10: I think it. You know, it helps to have the, the failures with go along with the successes. I mean, to have a game like we had in SAC. Um, where we literally win the game if we get a rebound just one one stop gives us a win and have other games where, where we've done the opposite and We've made the play to win um, Seeing how we react in both moments seeing how we come out of both moments um, Just really allows us to, to build and keep building from there. So um, I'm really happy with what we've been able to accomplish so far early even even not playing our best basketball as a whole um, And knowing we have a long way to go
8: You guys more over here. Do you guys need to push the pace faster than you have so far, or do you feel like it's a good place?
10: I think we are pushing it a little bit more um, as of last week or so. I think it's been an emphasis of all of ours. I mean, my myself just trying to get the outlet and push it up and see what we have before we get into our sets. Um, because I, we have such, you know, like, such good talent and, and guys who can break the paint and make plays. That I think we, you know, we're, we're starting to push it a little bit more and get guys easier, easier opportunities. And then when it doesn't work, we get back into you know running our sets and being efficient. You
3: in a short period of time. <laughs> been teammates with him for a short period of time, but what can you say about the growth you've seen from Emmanuel already or anything maybe that you didn't know about him that you've learned?
10: Man, he's a, <clears throat> he's a quick learner. You know, he, he asks questions. He, you know, obviously watches the game and analyzes it <clears throat> from uh, his perspective and asks questions to me all the time. And um, and when he goes out there, he knows his job, he knows what he's, he's capable of doing. Um, he knows what he, his purpose is on the floor, and he goes out there and he and I mean like tonight just did everything that you'd ask for him, you know, making shots, making plays, getting stops defensively, um, and, and that's what we what he's here here to do, and he understands that. And you know, when a guy is you know a star in the role like that, you just just let him go.
8: Mike, lastly, for me, uh, the situation you have a key play there. Donovan gets the ball deep, gets it out to you in the corner. You make a move, mm-hmm. you throw the ball to Rudy. It's, it's traffic. He's yeah. down there, but there's ultimate trust. He'll win that ball. Yeah. At when does it get to that point where you're like, you know what, I can throw this ball and I know the right thing's gonna come out. Right.
10: Uh, it takes it takes a little bit, you know, it's it, me and Rudy have had our had our ups and downs with my passes going to him because I've you know trying to learn from, you know, just playing pick and roll with him was it, what it's like and where he likes to ball. But that particular play was just one that, you know, I saw him in the paint I didn't know how long he was in there, so I was like, oh he might that might be three seconds. So I threw it high and where I felt like he could only get it and I trusted that, you know, he he, he has the hands to make that play and he did it.
5: Thanks, Mike. Guys, that's Mike Conley. Let's go back to you. That was Jazz point guard Mike Conley in 30 minutes of play. 18 points on 6 of 15 shooting, 5 assists, and 4 rebounds. Next Jazz broadcast coming at you Friday night. The Jazz will be on the road in Memphis. Mike Conley going back to Memphis to take on his old team. That game will tip off at 6 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 5. There's the best of the postgame,
0: show. We'll take a break and come back with what is trending. Stay with us.